Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Tuesday, December 8th edition of the MMA OB Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Martin, and I'm joined by Cole Shelton this morning to break down this weekend's UFC 256, and we'll recap last weekend's UFC Vegas 16 card. Uh, there's some news and fight announcements. We'll try to get to some at the end of the show, but the, today's focus is definitely the, the preview for this weekend's pay-per-view and, and recap from last week. Uh, on Tuesday or Thursday, I should say, I'll be doing Bellator at 10 a.m. There's a Bellator card on Thursday, but there's just way too much to talk about today, so no time for that. I'll give the card a full breakdown on Thursday. Actually, some really interesting fights on that card, Cole, and some interesting odds. So, got a lot to talk about today, Cole. How's it going, man? How's everything with you? You must feel a lot better now that the mustache is gone. Yeah, I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? I'm fine, Cole. I'm good, man. Just uh, grinding away. You know how it is, Cole. It's a grind, man. Yeah. Never ends, but I love it. I know you love it, too. All right, so let's talk about uh, last week's card. I mean, interesting card. I went 5-3. and three. I think you went 5-3, and three too, Cole. Like, there was a lot of fights that got canceled in the last minute uh, due to COVID. And then <laughs> Cody, Dur- uh, Cody Durden got pink eye, so his fight got canceled. That was the first. Poor guy. Um, that fight's been rescheduled. Uh, De La Rosa got COVID. Her, she's out, and then Santos is going to fight Robertson. Andrea Lee broke her nose, so she's out of her fight this weekend. There's just a lot of uh, uh, issues here. Um, Monster of Love and Nate Landwar. I don't know if that's been rescheduled yet, Cole. Have you heard anything about that one? No. I think so, yeah. And then, yeah, I think that's it. But a lot of fights did fall off this card this weekend. Um, hopefully, it can be rescheduled. Right now, 16 fights for that last card of the uh, the month. Crazy. Anyways, let's talk about uh, the, cards on, the card on Saturday, Cole. Let's start with the main event. I mean, listen, like, I knew it would be a close fight between Vittorian and Hermanson. I just thought that Hermanson being a dog as, like, the number four guy in the world was kind of weird. You know, it's like these guys came in the UFC at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, they literally fought on the same card before they went to the UFC in Venator. They both got signed a few months later. And Hermanson, quite frankly, had been way more impressive up to that point. But, of course, Vittori's a little bit younger than Hermanson and a little bit more room for growth. And we saw that in this fight. Well, I thought he looked outstanding in this fight. First round drops Jack Hermanson. I scored a 10-8. I put my score. It was on TV, and I think a lot of people agreed with that 10-8 scorecard in the first round. And other than that, Jack, I think he took the third round. and looked like he was actually going to come back and maybe win a decision call, but Vittori really found extra gear in those last two rounds, which really surprised me in a good way. I was really pleasantly surprised by his cardio holding up. First time he's ever been past three rounds, so super impressive. Uh, four straight wins now for Marvin Vittori. Cole. I believe he did take Jack Hermanson's spot number four in the world, so... I saw you had an article yesterday, Cole. What do you expect for him? For Vittori, I so I think there's a couple options. So Vittori, like he hasn't fought anyone in the top, which makes good. Like depending on what the UFC wants to do with them, if you want to give him a push, you can give him Robert Whitaker, give him a number one contender because he's going to be a top five guy now. And I know the UFC likes doing guys coming off wins versus wins. So if that's the case, Whitaker is really the only guy up there that's coming off a win because Costa's coming off a loss. Uh, Cannoneer's coming off a loss, and he's not going to fight Jack Manson. Yoel Romero's fifth, who's now obviously released. Darren Till's coming off a loss. So, really, if you want to give him some coming off a win, it's going to be Robert Whitaker, especially if Adesanya and Blahovich ends up happening. If it doesn't, because there's been really no talk on that since then, but there's so many options. Like, you could give him Costa. You could give him, like, a Derek Brunson. Say, here, like, really show your top 10. Like, go beat a Derek Brunson. You beat Derek Brunson, then you can get that. But, there's so many options. Really, anyone in that top seven you could match Vittori because he hasn't fought any of those guys yet. Yeah, you're right, Cole. I mean, there's a lot of fresh matchups for him, but being realistic here, I think Costa makes a lot of sense. He, he did call him out. He changed his mind and, and then called it Adesanya, but that's not happening. He's not going to get the rematch with Adesanya yet, but 
I think he could fight Costa. If he beats Costa, he knocks out Costa. It'd be hard to deny him from a title shot. So to me, he's like one win away, maybe two wins away from a title shot, Cole. He's right there. I was impressed by his performance. I got to give a shout out to Fighting Major on Twitter. This is the first guy I saw that messaged me last Sunday, Cole, when this fight was made. And he's like, I love Vittori in this fight. And I was like, really? Like, I don't see why you love him in this spot. But clearly, a lot of people had a good read in this fight, Cole. I was not one of them. I did think Erwinson would win. But either way, uh, really good fight. In one fight of the night, my God, man, these guys threw everything at each other, Cole. Like, they actually set the record for most significant strikes landed in a middleweight bout in UFC history. So these guys just went to war. And uh, congratulations to the 50000 they got each. Well-deserved, Cole, I think, fight of the night. Co-main event, Jamal Hill knocks out Ovin St. Brew. He missed Wade OSP and then gets KO'd. Uh, you talk about 60 fighters you're going to be coming. This is definitely a guy that could be at risk of being cut. Cole. He's been around the UFC forever. I like OSP. He's a gatekeeper, though. And Jamal Hill knocking him out just shows OSP. He's, he's like a borderline top 15 guy that knocks off a lot of your prospects, like Alonzo Menafield in this last fight. Like, now Menafield's not really a prospect because he got knocked out. So, to me, it's like that's a guy that could be at risk of being the 60 cut. But for Jamal Hill, another great win. He's actually 2-0-1 no contest now in the UFC. Should be 3-0. But he smoked a little bit too much weed and got uh, his knockout win removed in his last fight, Cole. Either way, man, I mean, this guy is is definitely a talented fighter at 205. I've been pretty high on him. I, I believe I have picked him in all of his fights in the UFC. I definitely like this guy. What do you think's next for Jamal Hill? Because right now, I think he's going to be ranked number 15. So uh, maybe someone one of those guys in the 10 to 15 range. What are you thinking, Cole? Yeah, I think you give him someone up there. Like, Do you know what I was kind of thinking is... Maybe the UFC gives him that Dominic Reyes rub. So Reyes fought OSP and his next fight was uh, Volkan Uzdemir. Maybe give him Uzdemir coming off a loss and try to build him. Because to me, they're kind of building Hill and Dominic Reyes up very similar. He got that OSP a very winnable fight. And now I feel like they're going to throw him into the deep end. Let's see if he can sink or swim in that top 10. Uzdemir is that perfect matchup. It's going to be two strikers. Uzdemir's ground game is underrated. Let's see if, what Hill's ground game's like. But I think someone like that, maybe like a Nikita Krylov, like a... If Sirkinov span was happening, I would have said the winner or loser. It didn't matter to me, just one of those two guys. But since it's not happening, I think it's – I personally really like the Ozmir fight because Ozmir needs to get back in the win column too. He's going to need to step back competition. Yeah, I don't mind that fight. Has uh, – man, has Uzdemir fought OSP? Maybe they could do that fight. Have they fought each other? I don't think they have actually. That'd be, no. that'd be a good fight, Cole. Maybe, you know, like why not, right? But, yeah, I mean, I'd be okay with Hill versus Uzdemir too. Like – that's a big step up. Uh, I think Uzmir is what, like seven or eight in the division? Yep. I have no problem with that fight. I, I'm thinking more, like you said, the second guy, though, Ryan Spann, because he just lost his fight with Sirkinov. Um, I'm not sure what's going on with Sirkinov. It seems like there's an issue there, maybe COVID. I don't know, but I know that fight's not happening this weekend, Cole. Uh, maybe Ryan Spann wants to fight soon, maybe like that January 16th card or something, but he must be frustrated. Either way, I mean, I, like, I really like Jamal Hill, man. He's got some good, nasty knockout power. He's a tall dude for that division and uh, definitely a good prospect. He didn't get a bonus, but Dana White said he was going to give him a little bit extra money. One guy who did get a bonus, Gabriel Benitez, he knocked out Ryan uh, Justin James in the first round. Uh, I mean, I feel bad for James. His dad is dying of cancer right now. He had him in his corner and then gets KO'd brutally with a knee to the body. Benitez won a bonus call. I'm okay with that, I guess. I mean, it was a nice knockout right to the body, but I think maybe, you know, there's one guy in the prelims that I think should have got that reward instead, but he will get a little bit extra. But either way, Benitez knocks out James. Uh, I mean, I don't really know where this puts Benitez. I think, like, maybe top 15. I don't really know, Cole. Like, maybe he's number 15 or something. Maybe he fights a top 15 guy, but either way, he gets the win. Um, any thoughts on that before I get to this next one, which is pretty controversial? I don't think he's close to the rankings. The guy's 0-2. He's I – mean, I don't think he's anywhere near it. I think he's going to get another guy like Justin James. I just, those 60 guys, I wouldn't be surprised if Justin James is one of them as well. 
Yeah, I think you're right about him too. But um, you're right. I mean, the more I look at it, they need to. I just like it. Pretty much, this was a prelim. Let's be honest. This was a prelim on the main card. All right. Next up, we got to talk about this fight because the scorecards were <laughs> terrible once again for Chris Lee, one of the worst judges in the sport right now. I don't know what happened to this guy. So I got a few things to say about this. First off, Roman Delizio, you guys get the win by split decision: 30-27, 29-28-29. I I scored the fight for Delizio thirty twenty seven. I thought he won every round. Yeah. Um, and this was someone who picked Alan on the podcast. So I was like, please give me a horrible decision. Please. I want to look like a genius right now. And he almost got a goal. He was so close to getting the splitter, man. But uh, in the end, the Leeds, he wins the fight. But yeah, I mean, just a t- terrible scorecard for Chris Lee because it, it was much closer to 30-27 to Leeds than it was 29-28 Allen. Maybe you could give Allen one round, the third round. But I don't think you can give him the first round like uh, that one judge did. Now, I got to bring this up because I- I'm – I just don't like hearing things like told that are facts, but they're not facts. Because Dominic Cruz said it's a fact that's a boxing judge that scored the fight. That's not true at all, Dominic Cruz. Like it took two minutes for me to go to MA Decisions call and check out Chris Lee's MA judging record. Like he's been judging fights since 2006. He's been judging fights since most people started watching before most people started watching MMA. So it's a guy who's been around the sport forever, but clearly he's he's definitely slipping in his job because he scored that fight for Paul Felder a few weeks ago. I love how Paul Felder was on this call and he's laughing about it. He's like, are you kidding me, man? He's like, I didn't deserve this decision and neither did Alan. So I think that's a, that was a problem, but I just don't like how Cruz is out there saying this is a boxing judge when it wasn't. And he, he, he said, that's a fact. It's a boxing judge. Not true at all. Not true at all. And Daniel Edwards, I completely forgot about that fight. Volcan OSP. I mean, I actually I shouldn't forget because I'm pretty sure that I had OSP and he was like minus 400, like most people did. And Uzir went in there and beat him. I think by a split decision. So I completely forgot because I just looked at his like last six fights and forgot about his first one. But yeah, good good call there, man. I don't mind a rematch though, honestly. Maybe it makes sense right now. But as far as the Allen and Delizzi fight goals call, I mean, it's just a terrible scorecard. How'd you score that fight? Oh, I thought it was 30 27 yeah. as well. It's like the, the commissions need to like do something though, you know. Like they can't just like let this happen. Dana White said it's gonna screw some of the guys' career. Like, cool, just say the other judge gave it to Delizzi 29 28. It was it was one round away from being a horrible decision. So like it's scary almost, but in the end, the right guy won the fight. I like Delizzi, man. He's he definitely he showed a lot in this fight to me because if you look at his resume, this the question I had about him was his cardio. And stay with Vittori. Both guys had a lot of questions, Cole. And they go in there and they go the distance and they look good. So good performance. But my God, like seriously, they got to remove Chris Lee at least for a little while while he gets retrained or something because he's clearly not watching the fight properly. I just, it just annoys me, Cole, when a guy like Dominic Cruz, he's being paid well to do his research for these cards. Like he shouldn't be saying stuff that's not true because it, it just makes everyone look bad, honestly. Next up, Cole, we got to talk about this one. Jordan Levin knocks on Matt Wyman. I mean, this was an absolutely vicious slam. One of the nastiest body slams I've ever seen. The 12th knockout by body slam in UFC history. A nasty knockout. He wins a bonus, obviously. Matt Wyman, man, he should never fight again, Cole. I'll tell you that right now. Never fight again, Matt Wyman. Lost three straight fights, Cole, since he came back for his retirement. Please, I don't want to see the UFC give this guy another fight. He's got to be one of the 60 being released. And it's like, I love Matt Wyman, right? Like, he's literally one of my favorite lightweights of all time. I used to love watching this guy fight. But I want him to be released, not to lose his job, but because for the health and safety of this guy, he should not be fighting ever again, Cole. I think you're going to agree with him on that one. I thought he should have been done after he lost Luis Pena. Like, Dude, I, I, agree. I was fine with him coming back. Like, sure, take three years off, come back, get your one, let's see how you look. But he looked like a shell himself. And then he gets dominated his next fight. And then I'm like, okay, that has to be it. Like he hasn't looked good. in what was it? I think five rounds. Yeah. And then this happened. Like 
And I saw people saying, like, oh, that slam should be illegal, but Matt Wyman could have let go. He was the one holding on to Levitt. Yep. He easily could have just unwrapped his legs, fell to his back, and then who knows? Like, Lev probably just gets on top of him, but he doesn't get slam knocked out like that. Yeah, they, they, like it's rare. 12 slam knockouts in UFC history, guys. So, like, what we saw was history making. Uh, I got to be honest, as a fan, as someone who enjoys MMA, that was sick. Like, that's what you want to watch. You want to see a slam like that. But now Jordan Levitt's the one coming out saying, I want these banned. He's the guy who landed the knockout. Like, I saw a comment on Facebook. Guy's like, man, imagine getting knocked out so bad your opponent wants to move banned. <laughs> I laughed so hard. You know, Cole, it's interesting. Like, first off, Jordan Levitt, guys, he <laughs> – this guy is an interesting character. I think a lot of you guys will agree with me. Like, I, I got some funny text messages from my friends saying, what's going on with this guy? Like, he is a character. And the whole – the dirty dancing thing, Cole, that was so funny. Like, I like this dude. Me and my girlfriend were watching, and we both really like him. We saw his last fight, too, in Contender Series, and uh, we both remembered him. So he, he's a memorable guy. Um, seems like a really great guy. I mean, he went to like Matt Wyman's wife after and gave her a hug and was like, I hope he's okay. But I watched his interview with TMZ yesterday, Cole, and he says he wants it banned. He just said basically it's ugly, it's dangerous, they should be banned. You're gonna someone can be seriously hurt. And remember that guy that Frank Shamrock fought years ago. What's his name? I gotta find his name, guys. Um, like one of the first UFCs, Frank Shamrock, and he fought Igor Zinoviev. He slammed him. UFC 16 in March 98 in Louisiana, Frank Shamrock versus Igor. Zinoviev, and it was one of the most devastating slam knockouts like of all time. And I don't, he never fought again. He never fought again, Igor Zinoviev. Um, it's been 22 years since he fought. So I, I think he had a major neck injury from that. Like it's definitely a dangerous thing, the slams, but I'm with this guy, Doug. I'm with Doug Murray, man. No idea what people have problems with. I'm with you, bro. I love watching it. <clears throat> but I do find it interesting that Daniel Ever or that uh Jordan Levitt's the guy <laughs> said Daniel Evers. That's the that's the guy in here. Jordan Levis, the guy saying ban them because he's the guy who landed in 150K. But, you know, it is a dangerous move. But I'm with Cole, too. Matt Wyman should have let go. He chose not to. He wanted to go in the guard. He wanted to go to the ground, and he paid for it. And, by the way, Levin putting his arm across his face was just so vicious. That was savage. Daniel said, my parlay quivered with that split. He's talking about the OSP fight from Vulcan. I know. Yeah. All right. Or he's talking about the the, – the, uh, Allen fight, maybe. All right, they need to publish the RT, and you're right. They need to publish the names of the judges for the fights once they are announced. Huge edge knowing who's judging. I agree with that too. It's weird how they don't, but I guess because they don't want any sort of lobbying or something. Although they do it for main events, right? They do it for title fights. We know in advance. So there is there's definitely something to that about like not lobbying. So you know, you don't want the people to know who the judges are. But I'm with you. I think we should be a little more transparent. And also, like I said, you know, this guy goes and has a horrible scorecard. Like Will he get in trouble, Cole? Like, I hope he does because, to me, he should be not – I want – okay, I said on Twitter he should be fired, and that's harsh because, honestly, no one wants to see someone lose their job. But he should be at least retrained. He should be going to that John McCarthy command course again, Cole, and, and feeling about uh, – you know, just learning about how to score a fight properly because he doesn't know how. Art says the slam was on why, he said the same thing. And then DJ Hogan says, Monkey Guy is such a nice guy after all, some, after almost committing a murder in the ring. I know. He went up to his wife and was like, is, is he okay? All right. Um, what's the next fight, Cole? Let's just get through the last couple. There's only three left. Luis Smolka defeats Cornones via TKO. I really didn't understand. Okay, like I'm not saying I had the best weird in every fight because I didn't. But this fight was like, I couldn't believe my people were in Cornones and the line was so close, Cole. Like to me, it wasn't even... These guys aren't even the same stratosphere. And Quinona is, I think, will be one of the 60 guys banned, or not banned, <laughs> released from the UFC. I'm thinking about the, the slam banning. He's going to be cut. But for yeah. Smoke, a great win. Um, I think you'll agree with me on that one, Cole. Yeah, I didn't 
like Kenyonas, if you look, like it's so easy. It's so easy to pick holes at Lobkiller's resume in the future, but you can pick holes at his resume right now because he has not beaten a single guy that's still on the UFC roster. Every single time he gets a step up, like a Nathaniel Wood, uh, Sean O'Malley, Louis Smolka, he gets finished early. Like I didn't see how he was going to win this fight. Like he had a good first round, and then he gets hit once, and he goes down all of a sudden. Yeah, it doesn't react well to getting hit. He's five and four in the UFC. Somehow he's a winning record, Cole. But look at the guys he beat. Like none of them are in the UFC, like you said. He does have a win over Alejandro Perez, but that was before the UFC. I don't know, man. I, I think he's done. Smolka, though, good for him. I like Smolka. Like he's he's definitely a guy, an interesting dude. You know, man, I I like him because he's he's real. You know, he's a real guy who's been through a lot of issues with with substance abuse, and he's been open about it. So I love that about him. I mean. Listen, like he had a severe alcohol problem, you know, like it, it basically, it almost ruined his career. Cole. I mean, he got cut from the UFC, he lost four straight fights and thankfully he's been able to turn it around. So you got to give a lot of credit to Luis Smolka. He's a, he's a really exciting guy. I'm, I'm happy to see him having success, man. It seems like a really good person who's made some personal choices that he wishes he did differently. But I think a lot of us have had issues with substance abuse, even me, you know, in the past, not anymore really, but you know, a lot of people have, have that you wouldn't expect have had issues with substance abuse. And this guy, he's having an incredible uh, little maybe second run of the UFC with the three finishes. Although he has lost two times by stoppage too. All right, uh, last two fights here, Cole. Ilya Tapiri docks on Damon Jackson. I know Dana said he's going to get a bonus. I would have given him a bonus over Benitez. This was just ridiculous, Cole. What do you think of this guy's knockout? Yeah, this is a crazy knockout. Like, this guy's legit. Like, mm -hmm. he's 23 and he's grand gate. Like, to dominate Yusuf Salal like that and then go yeah. out and knock Damon Jackson all like that. Like, everyone kept on saying, like, oh, Damon Jackson isn't chitty. I think he's only ever been knocked out twice. One was that flying knee, yep. which would you put any fighter in there. If you put 100 fighters in there, I'd literally say, like, 90 of them are getting knocked out by that knee. And then uh, to Kevin Aguilar and LFA, and I think that was – it was in, like, the later rounds. Like, he eventually just started getting tired. His mouth was open. He just got caught. But the guy's not really chinny, and he put him out cold. Like, it was a beautiful knockout. It was. I, I really enjoyed this knockout. And then the first fight of the card, last one we'll talk about before we get to the next card, Jay Collier pulls off the upset. And I'll be honest, Cole, I thought he looked fantastic. Yeah. Like, wow. You know, the 265-pound version of Jay Collier has cardio to go 50 minutes. And he looked really good in this fight. Like, you got to give him a lot of credit. He looked really good. His striking just in general was great. He threw that jab out, and he worked it really well. Then he threw the low kicks. Um, his striking defense was good. He, he did – get hit in that third round by Volante, but for the most part, Collier controlled this fight, Cole. I got to be honest, man. It was nice to see a guy like this who everyone, including myself, was completely writing off after that Aspinall knockout go out there and, and dominate a fight for 25 or 50 minutes. I'm pretty sure that's the last we'll see of Volante in the UFC. What do you think? I would hope so. I don't <laughs> think he's... I was surprised they brought back both the guys, to be honest. I, but then when they booked the fight, I'm like, okay, hey, loser gets caught. But Falani's guy, Dan White, likes for a lot of reasons. Maybe it's because of Matt's air. But I I don't think he's UFC caliber at this point. You're right. They do like him. He's Chris Wybin's friend, too. He's lost four of his last five, though. And he's been stopped. Or he's, yeah, he's lost his last three. He's been stopping two of them. That could be it for him. Let me get those last comments, and then we'll go to UFC 256. Yeah, whatever. Just think because slam finishes are rare, they've forgotten to ban them. They're so rare. They're hard to do, man. I mean, it's it's tough. But, like, like you guys are saying, Doug and, and Hooligan, everyone, Artsy, he pulled guard and he wouldn't let go of it. So it is his fault, too. He says, I'm different. I'm kind of with you, too, man. I, I think I enjoy watching them. They are dangerous, though. No doubt about it. But it, it, MMA is inherently dangerous. That's the thing. Like, and I, actually, I was, I was at my friend's house last night. We were watching Pride. We're all watching old Pride highlights and the knees to the head on the ground and stuff. Like, I'm thinking maybe you should allow these back. And then I'm thinking, okay, but the slams are being, they want to be banned. So it's like 
there's certain moves that I think, you know, are, are dangerous, but at the same time, punching or kicking a guy or elbowing or kneeing him, it's all dangerous. All of it's dangerous. It really is. MMA is a dangerous sport. They can make some rules to make it less dangerous, but it's always going to be dangerous. Long with sense, best judging is the only jobs that possible to get fired from. It sure seems like it, man. All right, let's go to 256, Cole. Um, I'm going to set up the card. What are your initial thoughts on this card? Yeah, I actually like it. I like Figueredo Moreno a lot, Ferguson Oliveira. There's some really good fights. Like that main card, I think, is a solid main card. Like I'm looking forward to every single yep. fight on that. It says 10 fights right now. Tisha Torres said she got an opponent, so it's going to be 11. That's not out, but only 10 fights to break down today. Yeah, I wonder who she's going to fight. I really have no idea. Probably someone short. I feel like it's a newcomer. Probably, yeah. I mean, at least she's going to get a fight. I just think because the, they only have a week to get Angela Hill like uh, quarantined or whatever for her next fight. I don't think it's going to be enough time. They want to have two weeks before between positive tests, I guess. So or positive or negative tests before a fight. All right, let's get to this card, Cole. First fight of the night, Cole. Peter Barrett against Chase Super in the UFC featherweight division. Right now we have Chase Super minus four hundred. Peter Barrett plus three twenty five. Okay, okay. I got to get your thoughts on this because I remember we were both on this guy in the last one. He got dominated by Alex Tessaris. What are your thoughts on this line called minus 400? The line is crazy. I may seem stupid come Saturday, but I am picking Peter Barrett to win this fight. Chase Hooper, as good as a grappler he is, that Caceres fight really exposed him. The guy has no wrestling. He, that's what happens to a lot of these grapplers. They're so good, but they can't get the fight to the ground. Peter Barrett... Obviously, has been submitted before. You look down his record. I think that's why the UFC picked him. They feel like Hooper can submit him. But Hooper has no wrestling. Like, his wrestling takedowns are not good. He shoots from so far away. It's so easy to tell when he's shooting. If Barrett can stop the takedowns, Chase Hooper's striking defense is awful. David Tamer almost knocked him out. Like, do you remember that first fight? You were at that fight. Tamer yeah, I was. <laughs> Tamer was picking him apart early on. Alex Caceres was landing heavy shots. If Peter Barrett does that, I think Peter Barrett can knock him out. I don't know how Hooper is pretty durable, but Caceres did drop him. And I talked to Peter Barrett, and he even said, like, look, if I drop Chase Hooper, I'm not an idiot. I'm not falling down to the ground. We're going to get him right back up. Like, he has Joe Lazone in his corner. I think Joe Lazone's one of the best. I think he's underrated corner. I think he's going to be a huge part where Joe Lazone's going to help him out a lot of positions. I think Barrett can keep his fight standing. Just pick apart Hooper. Does he knock him out? I don't know, but this kind of odds, I have to take the shot at Barrett. I, I was at his last fight, so actually it's a funny story because I, I was sitting in not, not a great section, obviously, and because uh, man, tickets are expensive in Vegas. I didn't go as a media; I just went as a fan with my girlfriend last year, and we were actually in the Chase Super cheering section. <laughs> they were so loud, man! My ears are still ringing. Like these people were screaming, "Top noise, kill him, Chase, kill him, kill him, Chase!" Like I was like, "Oh man, these Jess bleed fans!" Like I don't mind people that are passionate about the fight, but come on. Anyways, as far as this fight goes. <laughs> I, I just really can't justify laying minus 400 Chase Super. How can you? Like, after his last fight, the guy looked terrible. He didn't look like a UFC caliber fight call. Like, he just got dominated by Caceres. He's a guy who's, like, borderline UFC. So, that's scary. And the Tamer fight, Daniel Tamer's another borderline UFC guy. I don't know, man, because it's like, I'm looking at this, and, like, this is definitely the makings of an Adam Martin pick and Chase Super because he's the younger guy by 14 year, 13 years, and he's taller, and he's got a reach advantage. So, like, I should be picking him too, Cole. But you know what? Let's have some fun, man. Two cards left. Let's have some fun, guys. Let's go with Peter Barrett to pick up the upset. This is a complete shot in the dark. It's a pure fan of Chase Super after that last fight. And Peter Barrett, you know, listen, like, if he can keep this fight standing, he has a chance to definitely outpoint Chase Super based on what we saw. If Hooper gets the fight to the ground, he'll probably just dominate and win decision or submission. But you know what? Screw it. I'm with you, Cole. I'll take a shot at Peter Barrett. You know, 
it's a close it's a closer fight in the odds indicate guys like i think it should be like minus 200 not minus 400 so as a pure value pick uh, value pick I'll, I'll just take a, a shot on peter baird here it's not a confident pick by any means do not go and you know throw a ton of money on this guy but i i think the odds should be much closer it should be like minus 200 plus 150 so a plus 325 there's a little bit of value there that you can throw a few bucks on him or something like that. I'll take Peter Baird to win the decision, Cole. Why not? And, Let's do it. And look at this. I actually think this isn't a bad way to bet it. If it happens, so Peter Barrett plus 300. You can lay a bit of money on that. Chase Hooper to win by submission plus 150. I think if he beats Peter Barrett, he's going to submit him. Peter Barrett has been submitted an awful lot. I think if he gets the fight down the ground, he's probably going to submit him. Yeah, and again, this is not a confident pick, guys. Like, it really is a shot in the dark on this one. But there's two events left. I'll, I'll take a shot on a dog here in Peter Barrett. But again, don't go crazy on this fight. Seriously, either way, if you're going to – I would not lay my Warner and Hooper. I wouldn't even parlay him, you know. I wouldn't even touch him. It's dog or pass, 100%. And I'll take the dog just as a shot in the dark. How about this next fight, Cole? Sergey Spivak against Jared Vandera in the heavyweight division. And right now we have Spivak minus 230, Vandera plus 190. i got to be honest, once again, the odds kind of confusing. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it's really confusing odds. I think these. I'm not really impressed with either guy. I think Fandera. I think he got overhyped heading into the tennis series. A lot of people thought, "Oh, he's Dominic Reyes' training partner. He's going to be good." But I wasn't too impressed with him. And, Spur- and Sergey Spivak, like the guy UFC debut, gets knocked out by Walt Harris. Didn't even look like he belonged. Then he goes out and submits Ty Tuivasa. Then he gets out wrestled by Marcin Tibera. And then he beats Carlos Felipe in an all right fight. I have to pick Spivak. I've been a bit more impressed with him. He has that UFC fight. This is his fifth UFC fight already. I think he can make this kind of an ugly, like a ugly, boring fight. Just kind of hold Van Der up against the cage, use his wrestling. And striking-wise, like, I don't... Van Der got hit a lot of the contenders. I didn't like his striking defense. So maybe Spivak can eventually hurt him, tag him, TKO him, or submit him. But I like Sarah Spivak, but uh, no way I'm laying that kind of juice on him. Yeah, the, the line's stupid here, too. Like, this guy, he has more experience than the UFC, and he's looked okay. I mean, he's young. He's 25. But, like, are we forgetting he got destroyed by Walt Harris or just dominated by Marcy Tiburra? Like, he beat Ty Duvesa and Carlos Felipe. The Felipe win looks better now because he, he looked really good in his last fight. But still, I mean, it's not like he's beating world beaters, you know. Um, this guy, he after he got knocked by Walt Harris, everyone thought he sucked. And all of a sudden, he's a minus 230 favorite now against anyone. I, I don't know if I agree with that. Um you know, Vandera was, to me, kind of disappointing in that fight on Contender Series because he was getting absolutely pieced up by Harry Hunsucker, a guy who I think just tested positive for PD. Didn't he? He just tested positive, right? Pretty sure. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, let me check that. Um, I, I hate getting things wrong, but I'm pretty sure he did. Maybe it wasn't him, actually. Sorry, it wasn't Hunsucker. I think it's someone else from Contender Series. My, my apologies to Harry Hunsucker. But, uh, yeah, you know, the thing about this guy is, like, he does have KO power, you know, Vandera. So he's a big dude with KO power, and he's got bad defense, which worries me. So this fight honestly can go either way. It's a heavyweight fight, low-level guys. But you know what? I'll take another dog here. I'll take Vandera because I think the odds, again, should be closer. Honestly, it should be close to a pick with a slight lean towards Spivak because he does have the UFC experience. But I think Vandera can finish him. So I'll take Vandera plus 190. Cool. I'll take a shot in the dog here. Jared Vandera by Naka. That's my pick in that fight. Next up, Billy Quarantillo against Gavin Tucker in the featherweight division. Right now, Billy Q minus 135, Gavin Tucker plus 115. You taking the Canadian or the American? Billy Q is just beating up all the Canadians, and I think he's going to do it again here. I've been really impressed with Billy Q. He's looked really good. Knocked out Kyle Nelson, a beautiful knockout. Beat Spike Carlisle. Like, the thing with Billy Q is, what I'm really impressed with is this guy's cardio. He can go three hard rounds. Like, 
against Spark Carlisle. Spark won the first round, then Billy Q just turned it on in the second, third round. UFC debut, submitted Jacob Kilburn. Look, Gunn Contenders has a lot of finishes. Gavin Tucker is a guy that, and he got dominated against Rick Glenn, and then he comes back. We both, I think, picked Sungwoo too, just because of the layoff, and he looked really good. Against Justin Janes, he got dropped early, came back when Janes gassed. But the problem is, like, if I, that's not going to happen, it's Billy Q because I, I don't think Billy Q is going to gas out. So I think Tucker is kind of in trouble here where I think Billy Q can win probably all three rounds. Or just I don't see a finish here happening. I think Billy Q is going to win a decision. But the way Gavin Tucker normally wins his fights is he just stays like alive long enough and when his opponent's gas, Billy Q is not going to gas. I think this is going to be a stand-up fight. I think Billy Q is a much better striker. Might mix up some wrestling, but I like Billy Q by decision. I, I really like Billy Quartiller here, guys. Honestly, I, I would bet on him minus 135. I think there's value on him. He should be like minus 200 here, I think, maybe more. Um, I, I really like Billy Quartiller. Like you said, Cole, like the cardio, man, everything, the knockout power, like he's won eight straight fights. Like he's got a ton of momentum coming in this fight. He's finishing almost everyone in his way. Uh, you look at his resume, it's pretty good for a guy who hasn't really been in the UFC that long. I've been really impressed by this guy. You know, Gavin Tucker. He's a Canadian. I should be picking here, but man, I'll be honest, Cole. I I, I picked against them both his fights since the Rick Glenn fight. That was like that life changing beating. And I'll give him credit, man. He's come back and he's won both his fights. So he, I've been wrong, but he did get dropped in that Justin James fight, and I do think he can get knocked out in this fight possibly too by Billy Quarantillo. I don't trust his chin completely. I'll be honest, guys. So I, I just think Quarantillo is better everywhere. Honestly, maybe if it goes to the ground, that Tucker could have the advantage, but. Overall, I really like Quarantillo in this fight. I'm surprised the line is at minus 135. I think it should be higher. So, you know, for me, Quarantillo is going to be a play, guys. I like Quarantillo in this fight. I do think he wins the fight probably by decision. Let me get this one. Uh, straight wager, what's going on? It says, Vandera calling Spiego must be comfortable in the matchup. I like when the UFC rewards the competitive call. I'm with you completely. Love when a guy makes a good call. He did call him out after his win on Contender Series. UFC matched them up. Right, maybe he sees something in this game. He's like, Hey, I can beat this guy. And I don't know if it's 5x ranked, but he must be close to the top 15. This call out division is pretty bad. <laughs> it's weak. Straight wager, Nova Scotia, Nova Scotia stand up. The governor's back in the house. Yeah, he's a East Coast guy, straight wager. He says the under plus 170. That's not bad. What do you think of that, Cole? Do you think a decision or a knockout? What do you think? I think Billy Q wins a decision. I Gavin Tucker's pretty tough. He took a lot of damage against Sangu Choi and didn't get finished. Yeah, it's possible. They're not Sangu Choi, yeah. Rick Glenn, sorry. Yeah, Rick Glenn. I mean, if you look back at the stats for that fight, I was looking at them last night. Like, it was just an absolute being. I remember my uh, my friend Aaron Bronstetter from TSN, he told me after that, he was like, that's the worst I've ever heard, like, a family member crying. Uh, apparently, like, his wife, like, Tucker's wife was in the back at Rogers Arena, and she was just, like, in tears because he was absolutely – he just got the shit kicked out of him by Rick Glenn. It was an absolute beating. I actually looked at the scorecards last night, Cole. 30-24 in that fight. It was you a beating. That often. No, you don't. All right, next fight. And I should mention, uh, Wikipedia says Jing Liang could have a replacement. I think they're going to rebook the fight with uh, Dwight Grant, who tested positive. Same with Tisha Torres. I mean, she says she's going to fight, but we'll see. All right, Cole. Mackenzie Dern against Verna Jandaroba in the women's strawweight division. Right now we have Mackenzie Dern minus 185, Jandaroba plus 160. Who's your pick? I like Mackenzie Dern here. I see a lot of people on Verna Jandaroba, and I – I don't really get it. Like, Jen Robles likes to get the opponents down to the ground and try to smit her. I don't think you're going to submit Mackenzie Dern. I don't think you're going to out jujitsu Mackenzie Dern. So then what's your game plan for Verna? Like, on the feed, Mackenzie Dern has actually looked a lot better. Like, she obviously has a lot of work to do stand-up-wise, but her only game plan is get the fight down to the ground. If she gets Verna down to the ground, I think she's going to be a much better grappler. It's definitely a close fight. If Verna can keep it standing, I would not be surprised if Verna is the better striker and wins, but... 
to me, I, I'm still high Mackenzie Dern. Like, her one loss was Amanda Hevos. She's looked good. Like, she dropped Amanda Cooper in the fight, which, okay. Like, it's Amanda Cooper, but still, it's showing her striking. Against Hannah Cypher, she looked really good. Uh, Rana Marcos was – that was kind of a mental mistake. So, Smith Marcos in the first round is impressive. So, I like Mackenzie Dern here, but the question to me is, does she edge of the scissors or does she Smith Verna? I don't really know because – Verna's so tough. She's never been finished before, but Mackenzie Dern's jiu-jitsu is so good that I wouldn't be surprised if she gets one, but I just think Mackenzie Dern to win this fight. Yeah, I like Dern too. I'm, again, little, like these, the odds are a little confusing in this card because you have these huge favorites in the beginning of the card that really don't deserve to be, and then you have someone like Mackenzie Dern who's, like, proven herself to be a great fighter, and she's only minus 185. I know Jandro is good, and man, she looked amazing against uh, Felice Harry, but you know, it was just two fights ago, Cole, where Carlos Barger took her down and dominated her, basically, with the wrestling. I'm with you. I mean, it, it, there could be a finisher because Mackenzie's amazing on the ground. We know that. But it could be a decision, too. Either way, I, I really like Dern in this fight, guys. Like, I know Jan Rose's ground game's great, and she's an underrated fighter. Don't get me wrong. I just don't like the matchup for her. I'm extremely high in Mackenzie Dern. I really like her, man. I think she's got all the makings of a star. And uh, I think that, you know, since she's come back from her pregnancy – She's looked even better. She's this is her third fight this year. She's keeping really busy. So I like that about her. I like Mackenzie Dern Cole. Give me Mackenzie Dern by decision. Like I said, guys, like I, I think the line is 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 reasonable at minus 185. I think that's a reasonable line on Mackenzie Dern. I'm surprised, Cole, that she's not a mass, massive favorite in these fights. Like uh, you know, some of these other women are like with uh with one especially elite skill set with her ground game, but is what it is. All right. This is an interesting fight, too. This is the main event in the prelims. Cub Swanson against Daniel Pineda Cole. And right now we have Cub or uh, Daniel Pineda is minus one fifty five. Cub Swanson plus one thirty five. Who's your pick? Uh, this to me, I don't know about you, but this was the fight I had the most uh, trouble when I was looking at it. I'm like, yeah, I like Cub. But then I dig in a bit more, and I'm like, man, I like Daniel. And then I keep going back to Cub. Then I my final pick is Daniel Pineda. Cub Swanson looked good against Crowd Gracie, but he's coming. He's already thirty seven. Another year layoff. Coming off a torn ACL. I just have too many questions about him. Like maybe he goes out there and just uh, keeps fight standing, picks part Daniel Pineda because Pineda needs to get the fight down to the ground. If he gets down to the ground, I know Cubs wants really good shit too, but Daniel Pineda's top game is vicious. So I think he'd have success. And he looked good against Herbert Burns. And like before that, submitted Jeremy Kennedy and uh, beat uh, Mavled uh, Habilov. And but those are obviously no contest. He's looked good since uh, leaving the UFC, but. Cub Swanson, I would not be surprised if Cub Swanson won this fight, but just the knee, how he's going to return after a year-long layoff. Just, there's too many questions for me, so i got to go with Daniel Pineda by decision. I can't see him finishing Cub Swanson. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, it's a close fight, um, competitive fight. I was I'm, like, I'm just back and forth too, Cole, honestly. I, I was looking at this one. I was like, mm, I don't know. But ultimately, I will go with Cub Swanson as a dog here. I'll take a shot at him. Uh, he, he won for me last time against Cron Gracie as a dog. Um, Pineda's a guy that's kind of tricky to figure out, man. He really is. Like the last fight with David Jackson or um, what's his name, Herbert Burns. He was an underdog, knocks him out, and then you look at the fights at PFL. He looked amazing, but tested positive, so some question marks there a little bit as well. And his first run in the UFC was was not impressive. I mean, he lost a lot of fights, so I still have question marks about him. I mean, he's looked better. He's looked really good, you know. But I still think that Cobb, if he keeps on the feet, can knock him out or, or outbox him for a decision. So. I'll take Cub Swanson, Cole, but, you know, this is not, like, a super confident pick either, guys. Um, you know, for me, I I, I prefer someone like Quarantillo or, or Dern, who I'm more confident in, than taking a shot on the dog just because there is plus money. But I have to make a pick here. I'm going to take Cub Swanson. It's just, like Cole said, there's some question marks, the ACL tear, 
and the layoff. But overall, he's the more experienced guy in the UFC. He's the better fighter, I think, the better MMA fighter and the better boxer especially. So if the fight stays standing, I think he does win this fight. I want to get this call for Artsy. Dern should be closer to minus 400. Janny's stamp is non-existent. Spam slow overhand rights, never winning KO. I don't see how Janny wins the decision. I'm with this guy too. I mean, I don't understand the uh, the odds. They seem a little bit too low for me. But, you know, Dern's been pretty – some of her fights have been – she's actually been reasonably, uh, like, blind. So you figured she'd be higher – uh, at the odds at the sports books, but sometimes he's like a reasonable betting line. Anyways, let's get to the main event, Cole. Or main car, I should say. Uh, Junior Santos against Cyril Gone. Great fight, man. Cyril Gone, wow, minus 425, JDS plus 340. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, this is a look. I think Cyril Gone's good, but this is a big step up in competition. Like, everyone, like, look at his record. Like, he, he's uh, six no, but he's looked good in the UFC, I guess. Like, uh, submitted Rafael Pessoa, but I don't think he's that good. Don Tomei's he submitted, I don't think that's good. He beat Tanner Bozer at the time, it looked good, but after Bozer's last fight against Andre Olovsky, was that win really that impressive? Like, he hasn't fought anyone inside that top 15. Look, Dos Santos has been knocked out. Uh, Rosenstruck, Curtis Blades, and Francis Ngannou. Rosenstruck and Ngannou might be two of the hardest hitters at heavyweight. Curtis Blades was just. Uh, Dos Santos to me was more focused on the takedowns and then just got caught because he was so focused on keeping the fight standing. This is a guy that a year ago knocked out Derek Lewis, and Derek Lewis is one of the top heavyweights. Like he, he still has good, like some good knock power. Beat Ty Kurivasa, uh, beat Blago Ivanov. He has a win over Stipe. Like, Judo Dos Santos doesn't get talked enough about some of the best heavyweights. Like, you look at his initial UFC run, like, it was so impressive. Like, uh, uh, Fabricio, Mikro Krokop, Roy Nelson, Kane Velasquez, Frank Mir wins over like Steve Miocic. Like he has wins over the best guys, but I just think his he's a bit past his prime. He, his chin's obviously a major concern. Cyril God, I think, might be able to connect, but to me, there's no way I can lay minus uh, four twenty five on Cyril God. So I actually found someone I like a lot better. I will pick on to win this fight, but under two and a half rounds is minus one eighty nine. That just in case Del Santos goes out there and finishes him. Maybe you look at the one and a half under one and a half is plus one hundred two, but I wouldn't be surprised if it stretches into the late second, early third round. So under two and a half minus one eighty nine. There, I don't have to pick a winner. I actually like that spot, but I like Cialgon to win this fight. Yeah, I mean, I like the fight. You know, Gone is a guy that's had some issues getting fights. A couple guys have fallen out. Shamil Abdurahimov, who I was looking at the rankings other, he's like ranked number eight. I'm like, how is he ranked number eight? That doesn't make any sense. But either way, you know, he's been impressive as hell, obviously. The three wins in the UFC, arm triangles. So, and then he gets a heel hook on Dante Mays last year. And we were a little like, wow, that was on the Maya Askren card. And then he beats Bozer. But this year has been a complete write-off for the most part. He'll look to end the year with a nice win here against JDS. And, you know, it's a fight that definitely favors Cyril Gon just based on uh, – Basically, Cole, I mean, JDS at this point is a shell of his former self. He's 36 years old. He's been KO'd in three straight fights. His chin is, is not there. He's been knocked out six times in his career now. He's not the same guy he once was 10 years ago when he was a champion. Like, he is such a great fighter. He should be in the Hall of Fame one day. I love JDS. He's a great guy, great fighter. But the chin is gone. And gone can catch him and knock him out here. Or he could just kind of pick him apart like the Bozer fight. I, I still feel like JDS is going to have an issue going the full 15 minutes with that chin, though, Cole. Like, I don't know. It worries me. This the way he got knocked out in the Rosenstruck fight it just looked like a guy that's pretty much at the end of his career. And I know he knocked out Derek Lewis last just just last year. That card was weird, by the way. You look at that card, Cole. I'm going to talk about this card really quick. This card, this uh, this Lewis the Santos card. That was a I weird actually looked at this card like two weeks ago, and oh. it was 
weird upset. Hey, eh? there's some weird upsets on that card, man. There was a few cards last year. Like there was that one card in uh, Nashville where Pettis knocked out Wonder Boy, and uh, what was the other? There was another big upset on the card. Oh, Formiga lost, or he beat uh, Figueroa. So there was a couple like crazy fights where you look back at just last year. But I'm with RT. JDS's chin's gone. Yeah, I love JDS. He's gonna be in the Hall of Fame. It's funny because I remember like 10 years ago and I was so high on him after that Roy Nelson fight and the Shane Carver fights and everyone was saying Kane's going to knock him out and he wasn't knocks out Kane. I was like one of the few people that remember actually picking JDS in that fight. But, you know, it's been – that was that was literally in 2011. so almost 10 years ago now. And, I, wow. I mean, he's been around forever. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. I just think this is this is the UFC saying, let's see what you got, Sirogan. Let's see what you got, man. And I think he's going to have it cool. I think he probably does finish JDS the more I think about it. All right, next up, I love this fight too. Kevin Holland against Ronaldo Jacare Souza. Great fight, Cole. Right now we got Kevin Holland, a small favorite, minus 120, plus 100 for Souza. The line dropped a lot. What's your thoughts on this one? I'm going with the underdog in Jacare Souza. I, people hyping up Kevin Holland way too much. The guy hasn't really fought anyone that good. Like, you look at the last time he fought a true grappler, Brennan Allen got smitted. The last before that, the true grappling fought Gerald Mearshard. He won a split decision. I was just looking at it. MA decision 17 media, including you and me, 14 of them scored it for Gerald Mearshard, who had a lot of success control on the ground. Jacques Souza is better on the ground than both these guys. And everyone's kind of like, oh, Jacques Souza is past his prime. His last fight, he went to a split decision against Jan Blahovich, yep. who is now the current light heavyweight champion. This guy is still one a great fighter, dropping down a uh. Jump back down to Medway, which I think is his true division. But look at Kevin Holland's last win. Charlie Ontiveros. Okay. Darren Stewart, a split. I saw some people even say Stewart won that fight. Yoki Barkley, or, uh, Yoke, that's obviously a good win now. Anthony Hernandez, okay. But lost to Brent Allen. Chirico, some people thought Chirico won. Mearshart, some people thought uh, Mearshart won. Ke- uh, John Phillips, he beat John Phillips, but even Phillips at some point was on top of Holland, who has one of the worst ground games. I Holland's fight IQ is something I question a lot. This guy, I think he makes a lot of mistakes. If you make a mistake on the ground against Jacques Ray, he's going to make you calf a lot. I think Jacques Ray is going to go out there and smit Kevin Holland in the second or third round. I, I love this fight. I got to get this conference through wager because I think it's definitely worth pointing out. I was about to say the same thing. He says, I'd be in the minority here, but how, how can Holland be trusted so fast post-COVID? He wouldn't be that active the past couple of weeks, and Jacques Ray was nearly a pick of versus Tory. Well put, Cole. So he agreed with you, Cole. Yeah, this is definitely an interesting fight because I've talked to a lot of people. Pretty much everywhere I've talked to really like Shocker in this fight, which is kind of surprised me because I'm like really high on Kevin Holland. As you guys know, I've I've been picking him all his fights and and I actually been I think I've been almost perfect. I think I've been perfect in his fights in his career in the UFC. I think I'm actually eight and zero in his fights. Like I don't think I've got any of them wrong, including his last four, which I all picked him in, and the Brandon Allen fight, which I picked him to lose. So I think I've got him eight. No, I've got a good read on this guy, and. The COVID thing throws me off because he he's just tested negative, but he was out for a week or two with COVID, right? So that worries me. Did he get any training in at all? Like I have no idea, but I I I still have to pick Kevin Holland. There's just too many advantages for me not to pick him here, guys. Like you look at the age, he is 13 years younger. That is huge. 13 years younger, he's two inches taller, and he has a nine-inch reach advantage. Nine inches, that's massive. And we've seen him use his reach really well. Now the problem is the takedown defense is only 54%. So Jokere, if you can implement a grappling heavy takedown a game plan, you can take him down like Diego Santos did, just hold him there and grind decision up. But I think if the fight stays standing, I gotta favor Holland with the reach, man. So I like Kevin Holland here, guys. I don't love him though because of the COVID thing. It really throws me off. 
So normally I would be all over Kevin Holland at minus 120 in the spot. I'm going to wait. I'll wait to see the wins, wait to see how he looks physically. But I do like Kevin Holland here, guys. You know, and I love Jacare. He is one of my favorite fighters ever. He's a guy that is probably the best fighter to ever fight for UFC belt. And I, I thought he beat Jan, which looks amazing now. But he hasn't fought in a year. He also had COVID. He had a really bad case of COVID, which basically kept him out all year. And he's so much older. I just can't pick him in the reach disadvantage to you. So Kevin Holland, probably decision because, man, Ronaldo Jacare is – legendary tough all right and artsy says he's post-covid too yeah he had covid six months ago but he had a bad case of it so it's definitely worth bringing up um and that's exactly what straight wager said six months yeah he's he's recovered now but i mean it was a, it was a rough one but yeah it, it's 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 gonna be interesting guys it's an it's a fight that's more interesting because of the virus that's for sure all right Hanato mcconnell against rafael fiziev cole a lightweight bout here interesting fights rafael fiziev minus 150 mcconnell plus 130 who's your pick in this one I like the underdog Hanato Makano. I don't think he's getting enough respect. I think Fiziev got a lot of hype after his win over Mark Casey, who I don't think is that good. He doesn't really fought anyone that good. Like uh, Alex White, he beat out Swift by decision, then got brutally knocked out by Mago and Mustafaya. But Hanato Makano, I think people are just fading him because of his chin, but I think he's a lot better at lightweight. I think like this guy, he uh, was beating up Jose Aldo pretty good in that first round. Then he just, uh, Jose Aldo went back to the body, kind of beat him. Chan Sung Jung got him quickly, but his last fight showed really impressive submitting Demir Hadzovic. And look at this guy. Like, this guy has, a, he beat Calvin Cater, submitted Cub Swanson, has one over Jeremy Stevens. Like, he has good wins. But to me, I think his chain will be a lot better at 155. I don't know if Fiziev's going to be able to knock him out. And I think McConnell's a lot better than what Fiziev is on the ground. I wouldn't be surprised if McConnell doesn't even want to stand up and just shoots takedowns, tries to get the fight down to the ground because Fiziev's. That uh, coach at Tiger Muay Thai, so obviously his striking is phenomenal, but his ground game's kind of unproven. And when this fight was supposed to happen, what was it like two weeks ago, through two three weeks ago, it was a pick'em fight. So now all of a sudden they reopened it. Makano's an underdog at plus one thirty, so I have to take the shot, Makano. I think he's going to get a decision win over Fiziev, but it's definitely a close fight, and it kind of sucks that it's also on the same card as Ferguson Oliveira because two weeks ago this was a shoe in for fight of the night. Yeah, this is going to be a great fight, I think. I mean, Fizzy had his last fight with DKC, like you said, Cole. Just an incredible fight. So much fun to watch. That whole Matrix defense he was throwing off in that fight. He's a fun guy to watch, and he's got incredible striking, as we know. Good striking defense. Also, you know, it's worth pointing out, he's never been taken down, but he hasn't really fought any wrestlers yet. McKenna's not necessarily a wrestler, but he does have grappling. We saw that last fight with uh, Hadzovich. We saw him submit Cup Swanson. Like, he's a good fighter, man. He's got good wins, Cole. Like, he, he is going over Calvin Cater. That's a great win. Um, but... You know, and I know he's moving up to 155, so I agree that his chin probably is going to be a little bit stronger, Cole, but I'm still worried about those knockout losses, guys, to uh, Jung and Aldo. And Fiziev, he kicks like a mule. He punches like a, a beast. So, you know, he's a little bit – there's a, some problems I have with him here. He's a little bit shorter, a little bit smaller, but I think he packs enough of a punch where I still got to take him here because of that chin and Bacanio. So I'm going to take Fiziev. I guess I'll take him by knockout because I think you probably touch up Bacanio's chin or maybe decision, either one of those. But – I'm with Cole, and it's a close fight. I personally would probably stay away from this one. I, I don't love it. I, initially, I looked at it, I'm like, man, I love Fiziev, and then I looked into the fight a little bit more, and there's some advantages that McCannio does have here, so I think I have to stay away from this one, guys, but I'm still going to pick Fiziev. I just I was really impressed by his last fight, I mean, quite frankly, and I, I want to see him fight again and hopefully put it on the show. All right, Cole. Cole main event. This is a great fight, guys. This is the best fight of the card, in my opinion. I think this could be one of the best fights of the year. I wish it was five rounds. I really wish it was five rounds, but you get it for three rounds. 
Tony Alcacui Ferguson against Charles Dubronx Oliveira. Two of my favorites of all time, Cole. Tony Ferguson minus 170, Dubronx plus 150. Let's hear your pick. I like Tony Ferguson, and I like Tony Ferguson to win rather decisively. I am not high on Charles Oliveira as a lot of people are. Like He's on a good winning streak. Kevin Lee was obviously a good win, but before that, Jared Gordon, Nick Lentz, David Tamer, Jim Miller, Christos Giagos, Clay Guida. How many of those guys are still in the UFC? Jim Miller, Clay Guida, I guess Jared Gordon, and Nick Lentz. They're all kind of in the UFC, but they're all, if they lose one more, they're all getting cut. The The problem I have with Charles Oliveira is every time he gets to step up in competition, he's a guy that seems like he quits. Against Max Holloway, that was a common thing, is he kind of quit. Uh, Anthony Pettis, Ricardo Lamas, Paul Felder. It's kind of all that same thing. When he gets that step up, he doesn't fight to where he should be, and he kind of quits. But against Kevin Lee, that didn't happen. But is Lee that top guy like Tony Ferguson is? The problem is, is Tony Ferguson oh, – I, I don't know if Oliver is going to be able to get Tony Ferguson down. And if he gets him down, Tony Ferguson off his back is so dangerous because he's going to be throwing elbows. He's going to be throwing up, trying to get arm bars, trying to get triangles. How's Oliver going to deal with that? I think the pace and the pressure is going to be too much. I think on the feed first, they're just going to keep coming forward, keep jabbing Oliveira, eventually hurt him. I think probably second, third round first, he's going to eventually either just uh, hurt him and submit him when he gets down to the ground or just TKO him. But I like Tony Ferguson in this fight. But it's a kind of a crossroads fight. If Ferguson loses this, like he's kind of done as a contender at lightweight. I love this matchup. This is a great fight. Actually, I'll be doing a written breakdown for this fight. Just such a great fight. So I'll be doing a written breakdown on Oddsbreaker. Um, you know, I have a lot of thoughts on this fight. I mean, first off, um, love the fact that it actually is even happening before the end of the year is up. It, it seemed like Tony really wanted to get a fight, and Oliver did too. So it's a great matchup. Oliver deserves a step up. I mean, he's won seven straight fights. He's knocked in or out or submitted everyone his way, including, like you said, Kevin Lee. But other than Kevin Lee, Cole, you're right. I mean, the other guys he beat were not great. Like, they're all bottom-tier guys, really. So, yes, he's finishing guys, but they're like Nick Lance, Jared G Gordon. Like, these aren't great fighters. So, to me, the win over Lee was nice. And First off, you can't take anything away from Oliver and the fact that he literally has the most submissions in UFC history. So he's the best on the ground. He's the best on the ground. He's elite. He's he's amazing. What happens if he can't get the fight into his wheelhouse, though, Cole? Right? What happens if the fight stays standing and Ferguson keeps him at range? I know Oliver's striking look, it's look really good. Tight boxing, knockout power, I get that. But Ferguson's a way better striker. It's not even a question. Also, I would give Ferguson the edge in the pure wrestling, too. Um, the submissions, he's got amazing submissions too. I think it'll be really tricky to submit. I don't think it'll be easy for Oliver to submit him. I don't even think Tony's ever been submitted, has he? Like maybe once. He's been submitted once. When was that? 2009. You know, that's the only way I could see Oliver winning this fight. Otherwise, I'm with you, Cole. I think Oliver or uh, Ferguson just smashes Oliver and probably finishes him with TKO. That's plus 300. But either way, I like Tony Ferguson, guys. You know, I, I'm super high. And listen, we got to talk about the fight with Gaethje. He got KO'd. He, he looked bad. He got dominated. But this is a different fight, you know. Oliver's striking is just not at the same level. It doesn't have the same amount of power and force, impact and force that Gagey's kicks and punches do. So I like Ferguson Cole. I mean, it's another spot like Dern where it's a guy I thought would be a bigger favorite. In her case, a girl, obviously. But, uh, you know, I thought they would both be in, like, the minus 300 range, I think, honestly. Like, I was I was hoping the line would stay low because it, it opened at minus 130, Cole. But I think there's value at Tony Ferguson still. So give me El Kukui. I'll take him by Nako, man. I think he finishes Oliver. I'm with Cole. I think that Oliver, you know, I love the guy, but, you know, he's been finished and he, he kind of does turtle up when he's put in a bad spot. Look at that Paul Felder fight. That's a classic example of it. All right, Cole. Main event of the evening. Davison Figueredo against Brandon Moreno. Oh, my God. Great fight. Minus 300 Figueredo plus 250 Moreno. Did you give a chance at all to the dog in this one? 
I get Moreno a much better shot than it gave Alex Perez. I thought Moreno should have been fighting for the belt at 255. I'm kind of disappointed because I wish both guys had a full camp for this fight because I think both guys kind of deserve it because I think Moreno is a tough test for Figueredo just because he's so hard. He's so durable in his wrestling. He's so like, he just has a unique style where he's always coming forward. He doesn't get tired. So, but I pointed out on Twitter, I don't get where this whole perception came from that Figueredo has a bad gas tank or whatever. The last time he went three rounds against Pantoja, he put up more strikes in the third round than he did the first round. Like people always say, oh, you just got to get Figueredo the third or fourth, then he's going to gas, which, okay, he's never been the fourth or fifth round, but he's gone three hard rounds before. Like Pantoja and Formiga pushed him. Formiga was using the whole thing was, oh, just out grapple him and he's going to get tired. That's exactly what Formiga did. And Figueredo wasn't that tired after three rounds either. So, I don't think he has as bad gas tank as a lot of people think, but I like figuring to win this fight, and I like him to win by stoppage. He's just so well-rounded. If you take him down to the ground, he's going to smit you. If you stay standing, he has so much power at 125. He's going to knock you out. I think Moreno's eventually going to rush in and just get hit with something big that's going to drop him. And I would not be surprised if this is similar to that uh, second Benavides fight where uh, Figueredo uh, hurts Moreno and then he just jumps on a submission because he keeps talking talking every interview. I want to sub this guy. I want to sub this guy. So I think even if he has him hurt, it's going to be like Benavides where he's going to jump on his back and try to tap him out. But I think probably second, third round, Figueredo is going to uh, submit Brandon Moreno. Yeah, I got to go with Figueredo too. I mean, you can't bet against him right now. The guy has looked incredible. He's destroying everyone in his path. Um, but Moreno does present some challenges, obviously. Cole. Like he's a little bit bigger. He's a little bit longer. So he's got some advantage in this fight. Not crazy advantages by any means, but you know he is two inches taller. There's two inches of reach advantage in his favor too. So he, there's a few things to like about Moreno here, and he, he looked incredible in the last fight against Royville. I know he got hurt Royville, but it was still a great fight, uh, a great performance, I should say, by uh, Moreno. And overall, I mean, it's a guy with a lot of experience in the UFC now. But you know, Figueroa, you can't bet against him. The guy is an absolute killer. Like right now, he's one of the best power pound fighters in the sport. Like he is incredible. He's finishing everyone. Like when have you ever seen a guy at 125 just destroy people like he has? It's it's very rare. So you've got to go Figueroa, but you know minus three hundred is a hefty price, guys. I, I think. I, I I think I'd rather looking at the lines. There's a prop on the fight not going the distance at minus two thirty. That's kind of how I'm leaning here, Cole. Because you know, just in case there is a finish for Moreno, maybe maybe there is. You would be safe in that way. But yeah, I, I think I don't see the fight going five rounds. Do you? There's no, no way. Yeah. Then again, I said the same thing about Collier and Volante, and they put my tweet on TV. And it looked like the biggest dumbass in the world. And no one got knocked out. I, <laughs> like, uh, uh, fight doesn't go the distance is like minus 180. That's a free money. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I literally texted a message Cole, and I'm like, dude, I like, I got to go with the the uh, the fight doesn't go the distance here. And Cole's like, I'm sure it could just be a really sloppy fight. And it actually was a good fight, but yeah. So enough with the predictions on Twitter, guys. Like, I'm not going to do that anymore. Just, just on the podcast, so they can't put these bad predictions on TV. <laughs> Either way, yeah. I, I, but I think in this case, five rounds. I, I just, If Alante and Collier was five rounds, it wouldn't have went five. I don't see this fight going five. Cool. Anyways, um, anyone's any questions about any MMA stuff? Throw them in there. we got five minutes left to talk about some stuff. Um, I mean, I think it's worth just mentioning Romero a little bit, Cole. Talk about Romero for a few minutes. Uh Actually, they get this comment. Dude, I'm with you. Parker Porter, Jake Collier. Let's do it, man. Let's have some fun. Two guys that I think stink. They went in there and, and shut me up. Made me look like an idiot. They both looked amazing in the Ross fights. I'm, and now I'm high on both these guys. They both look good. Two big boys out there with 15 minutes of cardio. That's impressive for heavyweights, man. So I'm with you straight wager. Let's watch that fight. Uh, Romero being cut is weird, man. I got to be honest. Like, okay, so when I, when I saw it, I was like, okay, this is – this is surprising. And then 
Now we have more information. Dana White's okay. He's among the 60 guys being cut. And then Malky Kawa is Asian. I tweeted like, okay, if they were to cut him, fine. But why would you wait till Christmas? Why not cut him six months ago? That fight with Adesanya is in March. So why wait till now? That's all I meant by that. Like the UFC doesn't have a heart. They don't care when they release these guys. They're going to release 60 guys in the next two weeks before Christmas. Like there's going to be guys getting pink slips on Christmas day probably. So it's just an unfortunate part of the sport. It's part of the business though. I get that. But I'm just saying my point was like, why wait till now to cut him? Why didn't they cut him six months ago, Cole? Like, Cole, something went on behind the scenes that we're not hearing about, right? Like, something must have happened. Yeah, I agree. And it's definitely surprising. But I saw people on Twitter saying, like, put out, like, lists. Like, this is my prediction for the 60 guys. It's people that are 0-1. I think yeah. it's going to be a lot of guys, like, I wouldn't be surprised if Tyron Woodley gets cut. I wouldn't be surprised if guys like Robbie Lawler gets cut. It's going to be these guys that are making a lot of money that the UFC doesn't think deserve it anymore. I think there's going to be a lot of big, like if Anthony Pettis loses next week, I, he's going to be one of those 60 guys. People always say like, oh, it's just going to be these guys, like these UFC newcomers they just signed. There are probably going to be about like 20 of those guys, like a Charlie Ontiveros out there. I don't think he's going to get another fight. But there's going to be these big name guys like a Woodley, like a Lawler, that, that the UFC just can't justify paying them probably like what? Probably like three, 400000 a fight? Yeah, I, I'm with you, Cole. I think that... Uh... You're going to see guys that are making – I'm looking at Romero's salary and I'm just trying to find it because they don't announce them in uh, Vegas. 241 might have had salaries. Let's see here. Yeah. So his fight against uh, Paul Costa, he made 150000 a show. And I'm assuming he gets a win bonus too of the same amount. So that's a lot of money. I mean, I, I like Romero, but the UFC's trying to cut costs. Here's the thing, Cole. Um, and James brought this point up actually. Uh, you know, they, they just signed like 30 guys on Contender Series or whatever. They make 10000 a fight, right? Like you can sign 15 of those guys for the same price you pay Romero one fight. So I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. And the UFC shouldn't be so cheap about this stuff. Like if they have elite talent, they should keep them. And Romero's an elite talent because it's funny, right? Like two days ago, Cole, two days ago, everyone's like, Romero's the scariest guy in the world. Still. He's a top three guy in the world. He gets caught by Dana and everyone's like, he sucks, man. He sucks. He always sucked. And then some MMA fans, not, not you guys, anyone listening to this podcast knows what, knows what they're talking about, but there's a lot of dumbasses on social media. They're like, Romero got caught because he sucks. He's got caught because he's boring. Something else went on behind the scene, guys. I can tell you that right now. Especially when Malky Cobbler made that. You said you see Malky's tweet. To, he puts that like that that thinking face guy. Something went behind the scenes, Cole, that we don't know about. Probably a money situation, but either way, Romero's gone. Um, and I know you talked to BKFC. They're interested, right? Yeah, they're which is kind of true because when I asked them about Silva, they said we'd rather build up our own guys, and they didn't want like the age thing. Then Romero comes along. And Romero's actually kind of perfect for BKFC at this point. Yeah. Like, especially once Bellator and PFL said they're not interested. I can't see him going to one championship or anything. Like, what's the one fight at one? Okay, he fights Vitor Belfort. What's after that? Like, at least BKFC, you can make some weird matchups. Like, heck, put him up to heavyweight, fight Frank Mir. Put him against Vanderlei Silva. Like, there's some weird, odd matchups you can do. But I wish Bellator was interested. I thought Bellator was the perfect fit. Like, Gabe Vadim Nemkov, like, fight him at 205. Like, Corey Anderson, there's so many good fights for him, and I don't know why Bellator then. Like, look, the guy's 44 years old or 43, whatever he is, but he's still one of the top guys in the world. He's 43, and Dana Wake keeps saying he's 44, just like he was saying Anderson's 46, yeah. 45. He adds an H to these guys. And now I saw a guy on Twitter, on our BJ Penn Facebook, he goes, yo, Romero's 45. I'm like, how did he add two years to his age in, like, two days? It's crazy. Dana White shits on someone, and everyone shits on him. It's crazy. Last comment here. Pereira Williams next week is going to be a good fight. That fight's sick. Cole, plug yourself. Let's get out of here. Twitter, Akhilshan I do on the show this week is Brandon Moreno, Artem Lobov, who makes the return to MA this weekend, uh, Hanato Makano, Daniel Pineda, Peter Barrett, all those interviews, and then fighter picks for the main and co-main, everything else always on my Twitter. Awesome. You guys can follow me on Twitter at MMA Martin Podcast. 
maoddsbreaker.com. It's on our YouTube channel, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, everywhere you can find podcasts, you'll find this. I'm available at uh, Martin on Twitter and then obviously bjpen.com, mmarings.net, and odds.com. Check out all my stuff. And I got to plug the odds stuff because I just wrote about Tyson and I wrote about uh, Canelo and his fight. So I've got some boxing stuff up there making a little bit of a move into the boxing world. All right, guys, I'll be here uh, Thursday at 10 a.m. Appreciate everyone tuning in. See you later.